Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Go from dragging yourself to work each day to finding a job you love. The Career Spring program is for high achieving and ambitious mid level professionals like you who are looking for a job that uses your zone of genius, recognizes your value, and pays you what you're worth. If you're ready to learn more, schedule a complimentary consult using the link to my calendar in the show notes. Be sure to follow me on Exclusive Career Coaching on Facebook, Lisa Edwards on LinkedIn, and Lisa.Edwards on Instagram. Greetings. How are you doing today? So glad you're with us today. And and I have one of my rare guests on today. I'm going to have her introduce herself in a moment. We're going to talk about, sorry, not sorry, how to stop apologizing at work and adopt a leadership communication style. And when I saw this topic from this, this young lady, I was immediately attracted to it because especially us women, we want to uh, apologize for everything. So I think this is going to be a great learning uh, learning session for all of us. This is Jen Ngozi. I hope I'm doing that right. She was just teaching me how to say her last name. Jen, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much, Lisa, for having me. I'm super excited to be here and talk about this topic. As you know, this is something that really speaks to me and something I've dealt with personally. So I'm super excited to join you today. So good. So glad you're with us. Well, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your background and kind of how you got to where you are today? Yeah. Yeah. Well, my background, it started years ago and, you know, I grew up being someone that came from a very humble community. My family is a first generation immigrant from Nigeria. So a lot of what I was taught growing up was very different values, very different culture, very unique upbringing where the focus was on community and support. And, you know, I noticed when I started my corporate career, when I graduated, I wanted to go into a field of human resources and HR and really move up in that space. And I did see that a lot of my background and my upbringing, although it was really great and it gave me the right values in terms of work ethic and community, I did see that it was holding me back in other areas. And those areas were mainly focused on becoming a leader, like moving up. It's one thing to start your career. And then there's another thing to progress in that career. And I realized that I wasn't progressing despite being really a hard worker and a high performer. And I saw how important having a a community and networking and putting myself out there and really self-promoting was holding me back, not doing those things. So that's what inspired me for my mission and my journey, my organization network, which I started. It started with the frustration of being such a hard worker, but not seeing the results of that hard work and realizing that I'm not alone. A lot of women, we tend to have this idea when we go to work, if we work hard, if we're good, if we get along with everyone, then automatically within time, we're going to be a leader. And unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. So I wanted to make sure that other women didn't have a lot of those roadblocks and those setbacks that I had in my career. So that's what inspired me to start Network. We're now a global women in leadership organization and movement. We started very simply in my basement as a networking 
being combined with a dance fitness event and with COVID and a lot of the experiences and the demand that's grown over the years, we've moved often to offering leadership programs and a space for women to really connect and get that support that they need early in their careers. So that's how I got here today. That's what's made me so excited about speaking about leadership. And I do think communication, how we communicate at work is a huge part of becoming a leader. Absolutely. And, and I will um, absolutely the contact information for network will be in the show notes. And uh, I hope you'll get a chance to tell us a little bit more about the organization. So as I was thinking about this topic, how to stop apologizing at work and adopt a leadership communication style, it seems like it's kind of one or the other that you really have to stop that apologizing in order to adopt a leadership style. Obviously, there's more components to leadership communication than just stopping apologizing. But how do you see that as kind of one or the other? Do you see it that way? I, it's tricky. I think that's a great question. I think it's more, it's not necessarily one or the other. It boils down to what exactly are you apologizing for, right? I don't think apologizing is a bad thing in general, but when it's overused, it can often undermine our authority and make us look less credible as leaders and as women. So I think it's, there's a time and a place where an apology is necessary, but the problem is the overuse of it. So for me, it's picking and choosing, separating the situations where an apology is necessary versus a time where a simple, well, thank you for pointing that out and making a simple human error. Oftentimes we can overuse that term. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I think it's very important to separate the two. When you've done something that's, you know, warrants an apology, you made a huge mistake and something is just terrible, you know, those are situations where you want to reserve that apology for, but simple human error oversights are not situations where we should be overgiving apologies. And I also see, again, women in particular apologizing for things that they didn't have anything to do with. They didn't do anything, and yet they're apologizing. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And for me, that is where the issue lies, is those situations where it's a an error or just an oversight or something that had absolutely nothing to do with your actions. I do see with a lot of women, it tends to be more so it's in our vocabulary so much and we're so ingrained and we're so used to over-apologizing. And that's why I think taking time out and practicing replacements for apologies is very critical. And when I can go over some of those that I've used and I've implemented in my vocabulary and replace the word, oh, my bad, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because a lot of it is habit and it's subconscious. And we don't have, we don't necessarily realize that we're apologizing sometimes. Yeah, so let's do that. Let's get down to some of these tips for how to stop apologizing at work and adopt the leadership style. So what's your first tip for the listeners? Yeah, the first tip is replacing the word, I'm sorry, with thank you. Sometimes a thank you, a simple thank you for someone pointing out something that you didn't see could easily replace the word, I'm sorry. So for example, hey, you know, I didn't mean to misspell that. And someone points that out to you rather than saying, I'm sorry, say, well, thank you for pointing that out. Thanking people in situations where they bring something to your attention is a simple way to replace the word, I'm sorry. Another one is, you know, excuse me, you know, excuse me is, well, oh, didn't mean that or my bad, but it's not, I'm sorry. Excuse me is another word that users can use to replace the word, I'm sorry. Thanking people, saying, excuse me, and I appreciate you bringing that to my attention. Sometimes 
people are bringing things to our attention because we simply don't know. That is not a situation for apology. That's another way to acknowledge the fact that they brought something to your attention that you didn't know. It's, it's understanding that we're not perfect and it's okay for people to bring things to our attention that we don't know and thanking them for pointing that out versus apologizing. So think about it as a positive versus a negative. This person brought something to my attention I didn't know. That's not a reason for me to apologize. Rather, I appreciate them taking the time out to share something with me that I wouldn't have seen otherwise. So you're showing gratitude exactly. instead of making it indictment on yourself. Exactly. So thinking of alternate ways of responding to someone else who has pointed something out to you that really isn't, it's just not deserving of an apology. There's no reason to say you're sorry for it, but but showing that gratitude to the other person, that's a real leadership tool, I think. Completely agree, completely agree. And part of it is also changing our mindsets about you know, how we view ourselves and having a level of self-acceptance, right? We're all human beings, we're not perfect. We're always going to be learning, even when we're far into our careers and we have so much years of experience, we're never done learning. So when we have that attitude that, hey, you know what, I there's always room for me to learn, it's okay to not get things right all the time, then you become less apologetic and more self-accepting. Self-acceptance is the underlying way to resolve and stop over apologizing. And when you accept yourself and accept the fact that you're going to make errors here and there and people pointing it out, it's not an attack, rather it's a way to help you to continue on in your leadership journey and learning more. That self-acceptance helps to remove that negativity and that stigma around making a mistake. We have to stop looking at mistakes as necessarily a bad thing. Really, so it's it's what you're making this thing mean. It's what you're making the quote unquote mistake mean, what you're making the other person's comments mean. And if the internal dialogue is there's something inherently wrong with me and now this person knows it, then we're going to apologize. But if the if the underlying message, the story in our head is that we're fallible human beings and we're grateful that someone else has pointed something out, then we're going to have a very different response to it. You said it so well, exactly. And I think that even, you know, you talked about um, uh, the other person just wanting to point it out, even if they are attacking you, there's, if it doesn't call for an apology, you don't need to give one, even if they're being rude and quite insufferable about how they're, you know, what they're saying doesn't mean you have to apologize. Exactly. And Here's the thing, you know, one thing I've learned in a lot of these situations, even if someone is intentionally being nasty, you don't need to respond. Their response and how they interact with you does not dictate the response you give and how you interact. Sometimes people point things out to yes, belittle you, make you feel inferior. As women, we're so used to it, right? But Mm -hmm. that does not change how I'm going to respond to the situation. Absolutely. I love that one. So that's, that's a great tip for, for the listeners. What's a, what's another one that you have for us? Yeah, I say disarming yourself. That's another huge one, disarming yourself. I mentioned earlier about how it's sometimes things can come off as a personal attack. When you have that attitude and give people the, what I say is assume positive intent. That's what I call it, right? When people point out things, even if it doesn't come across exactly as you would have said it, 
assume people are doing well by you. Assume positive intent. When you assume people are doing well, your response and your mind changes about how you respond. You know, it's so easy to think, oh, I'm being attacked, this person, let me snap back. But in reality, if you assume that everyone's trying to help you and everyone wants to see you get ahead, then that's going to disarm you and it's going to allow you to respond in a way that's more constructive. Making mistakes, it's okay, it's constructive. Fixing them is constructive, but when you have it in your mind and you change your mindset and disarm yourself, then it allows you to exude positivity. I think that's a fantastic one. And, and I'm, I'm reminded of what my coach says is that we're all delusional. So we might as well <laughs> be delusional in our own favor, right? So even if it. maybe there's some evidence that they aren't speaking in our best favor, as we were talking about a moment ago, we can still respond. We can choose to respond as if. Exactly. I love, I, I love that one. So, all right. So we're going to, so give me an example. Can you set up a scenario for me with this disarming thing? Kind of play out a scenario that, that this one is, uh, this one talks about. Ooh, I love it. So I'm going to actually give a scenario of a real life one. You know, there was um, one of my jobs in the past. I was assigned to work with this leader. He was notorious for being very difficult and they <laughs> thought I'd be a good person to work with them, him, because for some reason, I'm not really sure why. So <laughs> I was assigned to work with this guy and he, at the time I was working in human resources, he had this attitude that all human resources people were a waste of time. You know, we're not contributing to the business, we're overhead. So I had to, going into these meetings, I knew these things about him, right? And he would always point out things that any little error, you know, just not really happy person. But whenever I walked into a meeting with him, you know, one thing that helped me to disarm myself and to assume that he meant well was I would tell myself, hey, you know what, I'm going to go meet with an old friend and we're going to catch up on things and he really wants to help me get ahead. So he's going to tell me things. He's going to give me feedback because he really wants to see me get to the next level, right? In reality, I knew this guy didn't really care for my role. He didn't <laughs> really like it. He didn't really see value in anything we were doing. But by giving myself this pep talk before our performance evaluation, we had a performance talk that day where he had to give feedback on my department and I had to go back and share this with my team. So rather than telling myself, oh my goodness, this is gonna be hard. Is this, you know, am I ready for this? I told myself that this guy wants to promote me. He wants to help me become a leader. So he's gonna give me feedback to help me do that. That pep talk psyched myself, even though I know not all of it was accurate, that helped program my mind to think that, hey, you know what? He has my best interest. So it allowed me to walk into the conversation way more positive than I would have. It allowed me to be open to his feedback. It allowed me to take it with a grain of salt, not be, have a fiery reaction, even though his delivery wasn't ideal, even though I knew his intentions weren't perfect. By controlling my mind and telling myself things that were positive and not going in planning to apologize for everything and instead thank him for his feedback, I think it also just, it not only disarmed me, it disarmed him. I know that he was expecting a more fiery reaction and response with how he was interacting with me, but I didn't give him it. And the reason why I didn't give him it because his actions will never determine how I perceive the situation and how I interact with him. And, you know, from that day forward, our relationship changed a lot. I noticed that he was more patient. He was more open with me. And I, I, I felt like it was almost a test. Like, let's see how Jen is going to respond to the situation. And I didn't let him get the best of me. So I give that example because we have to 
when we're communicating as leaders, we have to allow our response and our interactions to be independent on how other people treat us and how other people see us or view us or think low of our role or think low of who we are. That's irrelevant. Our job is to show up as a leader regardless. And what he thinks about you is 100% based on him and his reality and the sentences in his set at his head and has nothing to do with you. Exactly. I, I love that. I love everything about that scenario that you just set up. Um, it reminded me of what I just said about being delusional. So you just decided like, I'm going to be delusional about this and it's working <laughs> for me, but you show up differently when you have that mindset and, and you disarmed him. So not only did you disarm yourself, but you disarmed him. I love it. Thank you. Thank Fantastic. you. Fantastic. All right. So that's a couple of tips. What else have you got for us? Honestly, I think for me, it all boils down to, I think we covered a few things. It boils down to mindset. It boils down to self-acceptance. It boils down to assuming positive intent with others. And it boils down is having that internal confidence that confidence in your abilities. And, you know, people say this often, well, confidence is easier said than done. What if you apologize a lot because you don't feel confident in yourself, right? Then one thing I will always ask people who struggle with feeling confident is take a step, take a day off, right? On this day off, ask yourself, what are you good at? Throughout your life, what have people consistently complimented you on? A lot of times we may not believe them or we may ignore, or we just get used to this compliment so much because we're doing these things so naturally, but it's very important to take notes of those things. What are you always being complimented? What comes so naturally to you that you don't even notice you're doing it? You know, some people are always told, oh, you're so patient. That's a compliment, not everyone's patient. You know, that's something that should be, help you make, feel confident about yourself. So what I would recommend is taking time out to evaluate yourself and think about the things you do great at. So whenever you're feeling down on yourself and before you get ready to apologize unnecessary again, you take a look at your list of strengths and what things you're really great at. Let that feel your confidence. Let that remind yourself of, wow, I am really great at these things. I might not be great at everything, but at least I have this list in my back pocket that I can always refer to and remind myself of the things that I'm truly killing it at. And I think it's so important to remind ourselves these things because every day is not going to be a good day. Some days you're going to apologize left and right because you just feel like you can't do anything right but it's important on those days to pull out that list that i just talked about of your wins and things that you're doing really well at that's one of my little secrets of how i remain confident at times where i may not be doing everything right and my life might not be going perfect i remind myself of those things that i've done in the past that have worked really well those compliments i'm constantly getting and those things that i do better than most people genuinely because people are coming to me what are people always coming to you for mm -hmm. those are things that you should put in your back pocket and pull out on the days you don't feel confident and and to go along with that the flip side is to be compassionate with yourself on those things that you're not strong at or that you're learning it's a developing skill you know i talked about that recently on the podcast is when you're learning a new skill, such as maybe you're learning how to network for the really the first time in your career, because it's so important to network for employment, and you're struggling with it, you can either decide to beat yourself up, or you can decide to pat yourself on the back because you're learning a new skill. And we, we never thought that way when we were little, we never thought, you know, I, I like to use the example of the toddler, you know, it's not like the baby pulls himself up on the 
the coffee table one time and, you know, tries to walk and falls. And he's like, well, psh, this walking thing is not for me. I, I clearly, this is not, not, <laughs> not my wheelhouse, but we get older and we somehow sort of think that we should already know how to do everything or that we shouldn't try new things. So that compassion for yourself, just as you would for a friend or a family member who was trying something new, you wouldn't beat them up over the head if they didn't get it right the first time. I completely agree. That's perfectly said. Patience with yourself, accepting that leadership and getting to the next level in your career. It's a journey and we have to take it one day at a time, pat ourselves on the back for the small wins. Don't always wait until you do something huge to celebrate and appreciate it, but understand that every step of the way just proves that you're trying. And if it's, if it's hard, if it doesn't come to you naturally, that just means your goals are so big and you have to break it up, but know that you'll get there if you continue to keep going consistently and patiently. And I think surrounding, as a leader, surrounding yourself with people who aren't yes people and who are also not many yous meaning they have skill sets that are complementary and not duplicative of yours. They have perspectives that are not duplicative of yours. I think that creates, it can, it can create a lot of problems. It can also create a really good environment if it's managed correctly. Would you agree? Yeah, I completely agree with that. And especially about hanging out with people with different skill sets because they will help you see your blind spots. And it's so important to have a community of people that are willing to show you areas that you're not only strong at, but that you can do better on. That's very important. Exactly. I love that. All right. Do we have any other tips on how to stop apologizing? I would say that's it. Got him. Okay. Be completely patient with yourself. Practice those replacement words that I said earlier, excuse me, thanks for pointing that. I appreciate you bringing that to my attention. When you start practicing that more often, then sooner or later, you're going to notice that I'm sorry, it's going to start dwindling out of your vocabulary. I love that. I love that. So tell us more about network and what you're up to these days and how people can, can get in, in contact with you and get, become a part of the group. Yeah, yeah. So a network in one year, we've done, we've made a lot of lot changes. And a lot of these changes came from COVID-19 and seeing where the world was heading and where our community needs were. So we recently launched Network Society, which is our new community for early career women that are struggling to get ahead. And we, we really work and team up with our community partners, such as employers and recruiters, to help women get connected because a lot of the job market these days come from networking. We spoke about networking mm -hmm. earlier and that's something that I've noticed throughout my journey is that a lot of the doors that were open didn't necessarily come from my experience or my resume. It came from having a solid support system. So that's where we work with women now is helping them get connected, get a head start in their career when they're just getting started, even out of college. And we're also getting ready to launch Network University, which is our online career shop and educational platform. We'll have more resources like courses and eBooks women can take on their leadership journey as well. Our future and where we're focused on now is building as many female leaders as possible from anywhere in the world and making that process fun. That's my big thing. I reflect back to my journey and all of the courses and the learning and the roadblocks. And if I could have had that process be a little bit more fun, it would have made life way easier. So that's what we're trying to bring to our community as that low pressure, fun environment to becoming a leader. So 
You can get a hold of us, our website, we're at networkmovement.com and that's network spelled N-E-T-W-E-R-K. We also have a Facebook group if you search network movement. I'm also easy to reach as well. So I'll make sure I'll clue my link and my information here. So those are the way you can get it. And as a gift to everyone who's joining, we do have also a networking guide that people can use who are struggling on their leadership journey to say the right words and get out there and put themselves out there. We do have a guide that people can use with a template of communicating and promoting yourself also. So that's, that's what we've got going on these days, Lisa. Fantastic. And what I was thinking of when you were saying that was I've been exposed recently to a number of women's groups, I don't want to say like yours, but women's groups who are kind of career focused and specifically for women, women only membership. And I'm wondering, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm wondering if you'll share from your perspective, why do do these groups specifically for women, why do they need to be out there? Why are they so important? Yeah, I think that's such a great question. Our experiences as women are so unique and Like I mentioned earlier, everything about network started with some part of my life and some part of my journey. And, you know, I remember a lot of the roadblocks that I went through, they were specific to being a woman. And in my case, they were also very specific to being an immigrant, being someone who just started at a background that there was just not a lot of opportunities and resources in my way for me to really learn these things. And that's why I feel like there's so much of these communities that are women specific, because women, we have very unique experiences. So the programs are designed based on the experiences that women have. And I think that's why we're seeing more of these communities. It's just, we're we're noticing that when we come together as women, we're so much more powerful rather than having these roadblocks and the experience and then hoarding them and going to solve our own problems and get ahead in our own careers like most of us can do you know we can figure it out we can have the roadblocks figure it out and then run with it go be leaders but true leaders want other people to learn from their experiences from their hardships and making sure that that cycle doesn't continue and that's why i think we're seeing a lot of communities like this i i love the concept i think it's such an important thing and and i also think It's so important to, as women, to look at what are we doing, just as the conversation we've just had about apologizing and and wanting to apologize for everything instead of handling it in a more leadership style. I think we tend to want to put the onus on the exterior, on someone else, on the system, on society, on the company for the reason that we didn't get the job, the reason we didn't get the promotion, we the reason we're making 70 something cents to the man's dollar. And, and the problem with that is it's so disempowering. So if we can look at that and say, okay, what I see in, in my role as a career coach and having done this for 30 plus years is I do see the the apologizing as a piece of it. The, oh my gosh, in the interview, the women who don't want to, I was just just talking about it today. I recorded a podcast this morning and I said, it ain't bragging if you can prove it. But women were like, oh, shucks, it was nothing. You know, I did save that third world country from disaster. And, you know, I did raise a million dollars for my, but it was no big deal, right? And the dude, I, and I see this over and again, the dude is like, I raised $10 for that organization. I am so fantastic. And the woman's (laughs) over there going, it was only a million dollars. And so there are things that we are doing because of the way we've been cultured that we are 
putting ourselves at a disadvantage. It's not just the world out there that's doing this to us. I could not agree more than that. I'm very big on ownership, right? Earlier when we spoke, I told you that a lot of the things that were happening in my career, I was a result of, I wasn't promoting myself. I wasn't building a network. I wasn't, I was thinking that being a hard worker was alone, all I needed to do, right? When we accept our roles and things, we're more likely to go out and do something about it. But sitting there and blaming people is not really constructive, but trying to figure out a solution, building an organization around my struggles, that is being solutions oriented. The examples that you mentioned, I see that every single day. And I think that it's really important for us women to not point the blame or play the blame game. Mm -hmm. Don't just criticize, but be constructive. Do something about that. Put ourselves in positions to be leaders. Raise our hands when opportunities come up. Don't always wait for a man to speak for you to follow up or wait for permission to share your opinions and voice. It's so important for us to own our careers and own our success and our wins and be proud of them and not see self-promotion as bragging, but you're sharing facts. And it can be something as innocuous and seemingly noble as this. This is one of my my cringeworthy things that people will say to me. Women will talk about how busy they are in their work and their solution is, and they wear this like a, a badge of honor, is I work at my desk on at lunch. I, I stay at my desk over lunch and, you know, get some work done. And the guy next to her is going to play basketball with a bunch of guys in the rec center at the company. And so the guy is getting this opportunity to network and get himself out, get himself out of his, his cubicle, interact with other people in the company. And the woman's got her head down thinking that's the right answer, but she's not self-promoting when she's eating her tuna fish sandwich at her desk. I completely, I completely agree. Besides I also the think fact it, that tuna fish sandwiches smell real bad and makes everybody in the office mad at it. Right. I completely agree. I think, I think it's uh, up to us when we figure out the recipe to turn around and teach other people. I think it boils down to that because I had someone pull me aside and tell me, Hey, no one knows you at work. That's, that's why you didn't get that promotion. We just don't know you. You're always at your desk. Mm -hmm. You don't come to anything. And that was such an eye opener. And now it's my job to do the same thing for other women who are coming to me. Hey, you know what? This isn't working out. And the more we spread the, the word and the secret, I like to call it that, Hey, this is not working. Then it passes along. And then we start to see change. And then we start to catch up, but we can't be at a place where, you know, we're not holding ourselves accountable and we're not supporting other women when we've learned things. Exactly. You know, when, when I was in higher education, what that looked like was I would go to the basketball games. You know, I was at, I was at a, a, a small school. Did the basketball team matter in the overall scheme of things? No, but I was there. I was representing the career center. Students were seeing me outside of my office. They felt more connected to me. Other faculty and staff members were seeing me. They felt like I was more approachable, but, but I was also building those relationships. So whatever that looks like in your organization, you may not have a basketball team where you work, but are there special interest groups that you can join? Are there, you know, go do the happy hour on Friday if, if we ever get to have happy hour again in person, <laughs> but do the things that get you out of your office and get you interacting with other people and advocating for yourself and, and get your head up off your desk. Yeah, exactly. Find sponsors, find mentors. They're they're different, but they're both very important. Make sure people that are in decision-making roles 
know you. It's very important. Make sure they know your goals. Make sure they know what you're great at. So I think it's really important to have a game plan. It's not just about being a job seeker and finding a job. It's once you get there, keep having that game plan, keep networking, keep aligning yourself with people who are going to open doors for you. The networking and the growing and the learning, it never stops. Now, I, I have told the story on the podcast before of a client that I reached out to that I had worked with sometime in the past, and I was reaching out to do a survey, and he made the comment about, yeah, I, I did use networking for my job, but then once I got the job, I, I now I don't have to do that anymore, and I was like, you're missing the point. And, and I always think of it as like, you know, you're, you're having to start over. If you, if you put it on the shelf and ignore your network, then when you need it again, you've got to start from scratch or it's, it's gone fallow. So you're going to have to do some weed work. You know, you're going to have to get the weeds out, but also you're missing perhaps years of opportunities to help other people. I completely agree. It never stopped. I think that's a perfect example of when you get there, your agenda changes, but you're still networking. Think about it like this. When once your client gets that job, when his next job search starts, then he'll have to go apply again. The goal is to have such a robust network that you never need to apply to a job again. That should be your ultimate goal. I actually have a term for that. And it came from that very survey I was just mentioning a moment ago. I had surveyed so many clients. And what I kept hearing was this best practice of really never going out of the job search. And I call it ARFA, which stands for always ready for opportunity. And it's having the the documents ready. So you've got a resume that you feel great about. You can give on a moment's notice. And also you have the right mindset, you're open, you have the right credentials and education so that you would be competitive for whatever you want to be next in your career. And what I contend, and this is a little woo-woo, so bear with me, but I contend that when you do that, you are kind of energetically opening those doors up. Because I think when you you know, if you get a, rec- a call from a recruiter and your first reaction is like, oh, I'm not ready for that. Oh, I, 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 then they stop coming and you don't have those opportunities. So when you say to the universe, I am willing to have those conversations and I'm ready, they start coming to you. I love that. It's like, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Exactly. Stay in that. And I've done podcast episodes. If you guys want to find one um, with ARFO in the title, that's what I'm talking about is what are those things that you need to do so that you can be ready to have those conversations? Because as we have said, and as I have preached um, ad nauseum on this podcast, it's about the networking. Please, please, please don't expect the job boards to be your sole source for your next job, especially with the job market the way that it is now. I completely, I completely agree. Your network will open way more doors than any degree, any job board, any resume will alone. Absolutely. Well, we are definitely on the same page, Jen. Would you agree? I completely agree. I really enjoyed this chat so far. I love it. I love it. So we're going to have all of the information on network and how to get a hold of Jen in the uh, in the show notes. And she had that special offer for you guys. So take advantage of that. Is there anything else you want to tell the listeners about you or about network before we sign off? No, the only other thing I would like to say is to continue to be patient with yourself, be kind. We're living in some really unique times right now. Although the pandemic is dying down, it's not completely over. So anything you're working on, whether it's your career, your job search, building a network for yourself, 
it's very important to be patient and be kind to yourself and pat yourself on the back for even trying to accomplish something because you can only fail you can only get set back if you're actually trying to live a better life so love on yourself be kind be patient and stop apologizing Absolutely. And and I know I've talked about this before, but I was listening to my coach's podcast back. It's been a few years ago now. And she talked about drawing a line in the sand about negative self-talk. And I thought, because I have, I have a very healthy self-confidence. So I was like, okay, look, I've got more education than you. Um, and I think I'm probably got a higher IQ. So if you can do it, I can do it. <laughs> So I drew a line in the sand and I, you know, it has to start with that awareness because for most of us, it's just, a, it's, it's a conversation. We're not even aware we're having with ourselves. That is just, we would never allow anyone else to talk to us the way we talk to ourselves. So I, I became really aware of those areas where I self, my self-talk was not serving me. And I drew that line in the sand and it's, such a rare thing now that I cross that line that it's very evident. I'm very aware of it, but I'm kind when I do it because usually I can say, oh, you're really tired or you had a very stressful day. I can find the cause of that negative self-talk because it's so rare. It's not part of my vocabulary anymore that it hardly ever happens. So listeners, you can do the same thing. You start with that intention that this is going to stop. This is the line in the sand. I'm going to be kinder to myself. And here's the bonus. Every other relationship in your life will benefit because you are improving the most important relationship in your life, the one with yourself. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jen. This has been fantastic. So Jen, I'm going to do it again. Ngozi. Yeah, you got did it. Did I make the end? Was that a little bit too much? <laughs> it's like you're trying to stress that it's Ngozi. But you got it. Not bad. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening today. And I hope you'll reach out to Jen and look into network. And uh, we'll see you next week. Take care. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.